0: And what I found was one of the, one of the original definitions of chaos was the nonlinear void from which all possibility arises. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Isn't that mind blowing? Right now. <gasps>
0: yes, it is mind blowing.
1: Welcome to the find your voice podcast a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. On today's episode of the Find Your Voice podcast, I talk with my brilliant friend, my husband's business coach and one of the most magical and profound people that I know. Her name is Christine O'Neill, and you're going to love this conversation. One of the things I love so much about Christine is that she has both structured deals for billionaires and, like, you know, hung out with Richard Branson on his private island, and also could sit down with any random stranger on the street and literally give them that gift of true presence. She's honestly one of the best listeners that I've ever met. She sees the many layers of life that so many of us don't see, and she has single handedly shifted the course of our family in the most amazing way because of the beautiful work that she's done with my husband and just her friendship. But today, specifically, Christine and I talk about the concept that she swears has shifted everything for her. It's a concept that's incredibly relevant to you if you feel that you're living in a time of chaos right now, or if you're in the middle of a transition or if you aren't sure how the future looks, so basically pretty much all of us. (laughs) It's relevant to you if there's something that you want, like more financial security, or a partner in life, or a baby, or more fulfilling friendships, and if you haven't been able to achieve one of those things just yet. Christine is the only person I've met who has been able to articulate these ideas in this exact way, and this concept is changing the way that I look at stress, anxiety, lack of motivation, and any of those frustrating detours that seem to be taking you off course. Here's my question for you. What if those frustrating detours aren't actually detours at all? What if they aren't taking you off course? On today's episode, Christine and I not only talk about this concept and what it can mean for your life, we also cover the book she's writing around this topic and what the writing process has been like for her. I know you're going to love this conversation with Christine. What I'm getting at is you definitely don't want to miss today's episode. I'm very happy to introduce you to my friend, mentor, and magical soul sister, Christine O'Nell. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Christine. Thank you, Allie. I'm I'm... so happy. I'm literally sitting across the table looking in the whites of your eyes. Yes. That is amazing because it's been too long.
0: long. I've, I've recorded so many podcasts over COVID and yeah. it just, it feels so good to be having a conversation six face feet away to face. From you. Six feet away, still six feet
1: away. <laughs> oh, six feet is better than 3000 miles or whatever, yes, whatever it it's been. So <laughs> thanks for doing this with me. I have a thousand things that I want to ask you about, but I'm going to start with the first question that I always ask our okay. guests, which is what does it mean to you
0: to find your voice? what it means to me to find my voice is to first and foremost recognize that i have something to say yes <laughs> it sounds simple but that has been such a journey for me to realize and understand and believe that what i have to say is relevant can you tell us about the
1: journey like what and i'm assuming it's been a journey in that in there are different areas of your life where mm. you've been able to come to terms with this idea that you have something to say but yeah talk more about that
0: yeah i i think starting from a from a younger age i i had this very adventurous nature and so i lived all over the world at a young age and i remember people a long time ago starting when i was maybe 21 22 telling me to write a book and i remember mm-hmm scrunching my face up at them <laughs> being like what would I write a book about I yeah. don't have anything to say I'm 21 you know yeah. and then as that path matured I mean yes I collected a bunch of cool stories but it just felt so I don't know self-indulgent to presume that I would write a book about me and my stories and and anyone would care yeah. about it like what is the what would be the impetus for someone to pick up a book about Christine O&L <laughs> and like read it. Yeah. At the time, I just thought that, oh, there wouldn't be an impetus. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to write it. And then later on, I really did start to have ideas that I felt, uh, like ideas about business and new paradigms of leadership. Mm-hmm. And based on what I was experiencing, working as a global executive, flying all over the world, putting all these deals together, and I knew that what I was thinking and speaking about held value but then I had a whole thing of well I'm still really young who would listen to me or I don't have the clout I don't have the pedigree to point at that Mm. would make anything that I say hold any merit so then there was that whole phase yes
1: so first there's There's two sides to the same coin, which is the first side is I have to decide that I have something to share with the world that feels worth sharing. And then also I have to overcome this obstacle of worrying, what are people going to think or what are people going to say when I presume to think that I have something to share with the world, which I know is such a dilemma for all of the writers who listen to the show. And in fact, the word self-indulgent is one that I've heard hundreds, if not thousands of times from people. And I'm just... I don't know. I'm not even really sure what to make of that because I understand what they're saying. And I think it's not like we're crazy for thinking that because there is a sense that I don't know. I guess like I've gotten myself to the place where I'm so beyond for all the authors who I'm helping to get their words on the page. The least self-indulgent thing that you can do is to understand your own story because you can't be of any service to the world until you know your own story. So I see how we get there mentally feeling like, well, my story is just one story in a sea of millions of stories and what makes it more important than anyone else's. And in a way that's true. And also in this other way, there's never, ever been another story like your story. And you're the only person who can share the story that you have. And I'm so glad that you're recording your story on paper as we speak. (sighs) Finally. (laughs) Okay. So I want to get to that. I want to have you talk about the book and the process of writing the book, but I want to back up Mm -hmm. first. And have you introduce the idea that's not just the book, but also this course that you're leading and the way that you approach your coaching, Mm -hmm. which is the alchemy of chaos. It's been hugely impactful in my life, even just in the couple of conversations that we've had about it. And I've also helped you outline the book. So I've gotten a greater sense of the message there. But especially since we're in this weird time in the world where, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. We don't know how things are going to like settle out. Like, what will everybody keeps saying new normal? But what will the new normal look like? So, talk about alchemy of chaos and how this was idea was born, and yes. we'll, we'll go from there.
0: Yes. Okay. I'm going to quickly loop back to okay. some to about the self indulgent thing. Okay, and how it ties into my approach to alchemy of chaos okay, and perfect. why it finally feels like it works. I okay. think part of the thing that most scared me about writing a book with any kind of position that I would be taking that would present my ideas as something to be considered. And I was really, really focused on it like has to be original and like I have to not be copying anyone else. And Mm -hmm. so I can't read anything else. I can't look at anything else. But the whole, the whole approach that I think most held me back was how could I presume to say something mm. that felt authentic and helpful without being preachy. I think my greatest fear was being up on a preachy high horse. Sure. You know? Yes. And, and so when this whole concept of alchemy of chaos came in, I think the reason it's been so impactful is it's because it feels like it's like the anti-leadership rubric. You know there's a lot of books that say come do this thing my way. Mm-hmm. Here's your five-step process to yes. success. Here's your blueprint for exactly what to do to to create whatever it is. And because Alchemy of Chaos was born in the midst of so much uncertainty where knowing the answer suddenly became like you would question someone's sanity. Sure. That pretended or presumed to yeah. know how this was going to play out. Yeah. Because uh, there was really no way to know. Yeah. So suddenly the, the most beautiful, authentic leadership that I could have imagined was someone standing in that not knowing sure. and kind of flipping leader, the notion of leadership on its head, where like in the past leadership is something where it's like, I know the answer, follow me and you'll be mm-hmm. safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Follow totally. me through the thicket and yeah. I will, I will lead us out the other side. And it's the, the leader was the one that knew the path. Yeah. And like held the clout and the efficacy to like, ch- to chart that path. And people felt safe following someone yeah, that seemed to know the answer. But now it's like the, the leaders that are sitting in circle with their, People saying, I don't know just as much as you don't know. Yeah. But let's be with what is for long enough to take one step in Ooh. some direction. And it may or may not be the right one. But right yeah. now, we're not focused on right or wrong, good or bad. We're just focused on progress and movement yes. towards something that yes. feels aligned. So, alchemy of chaos in that same realm is, is almost like the anti prescription. For mm. what leadership can look like, because it's grounded in first of all, own that we don't know. Yeah. Second of all, commit to embracing and dancing with reality as it is, not trying to mold it into what I think it should be or what it was yeah. or what it could have been. That's like a lot of spin cycle energy happening on those yes. three things. Um, so, the alchemy of chaos is the magic that happens when you. Sit with what is in the unknowing, owning the not knowing, and then a path will reveal itself that we collectively walk down together, which feels so good.
1: It does. It feels equally really rich and true and good and also totally terrifying to me. (laughs) Uh, When I think about applying that concept to my own life, because... I think for myself and for so many people, part of why we gravitate toward leaders who tell us they know the way is because there's great comfort in thinking, someone knows the way and all I have to do is follow their way and, and then I'll be safe. And so, so I want you to talk about, one of the most fascinating parts of your story to me is you decided to teach this content in a really unconventional way, a way that you've been coaching for years, but you had never coached like this before. So will you talk about how you
0: set up the group yes. and what was really
1: different about it? Yes, yes.
0: So the thing that had held me back for so many years of, of writing something down or creating a, a, a curriculum, if you will, was the analysis of it had to look one way or it had to be a yes. certain way. It had to, had to prove that X, Y, or Z that I'm able to teach this, that I'm knowledgeable or credible enough to teach this. And it has to be original and it has to be all these things, you know, so it would stop me dead in my tracks. So I knew when this idea for Alchemy of Chaos came in that if I approached it the same way that i tried to approach curriculum development in the past, that it would never see the light of day. Yeah. So what I-
1: The the, the two things are at war with one another. Yeah. You're saying like, can we be with what is and not know what's next? And then also, can I like develop a curriculum that teaches you exactly how to do that? Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yes, Allie. So that was the beautiful meta experience of the entire Alchemy of Chaos is I was on the Alchemy of Chaos ride just Mm. as much as everyone else. And I had to commit to that in order for it to be born. So what I did was when I invited people to join the course, the quote unquote content or curriculum was eight words. It was eight weeks, one word designated for each week and no other detail. Why no other detail? Because it hadn't been created yet. Wow. And so the the way that I felt that I needed to be in integrity with exactly what I was trying to center and convey yeah. that It is possible to lead without knowing the answers is I would wait until the day that I was presenting whatever it was that week, the curriculum, I would wait until the day of four hours before the start time, sometimes two or three hours before. uh, And I would just go to my office and be like, okay, Mm. what, what needs to be said today? What is this word? whether it was chaos or alchemy or space or mm. transition or integration or creation. And like each of these words is a universe, yes. you know, and there's so many infinite angles that I could use to approach each one, but to stay in integrity with not knowing embracing the reality as it is right now, trusting that that's going to be the juiciest, freshest, most relevant information that would need to be translated Mm-hmm. And trust myself to do that. Trust myself to be a vessel for the alchemy of chaos. And so it was through alchemizing the chaos that I felt by approaching leadership in that way that created this this very intense and beautiful and visceral experience for not only me, but everyone participating in that group.
1: It's so great because the the paradigm shift is we think that in order to be successful at anything, we have to be very prepared, right? Yes. and. The paradigm shift here is like you could be prepared and then something like COVID happens and what you were prepared for no longer exists. So is there another way to approach reality, to approach creation, to approach leadership, to approach business, to approach writing that doesn't require so much preparation, that requires presence over preparation? And you're embodying that in this way of leadership in this group. And also the other thing I'll add to this is the stakes were, were even higher for you because
0: of the people so who were invited to this group. Yeah. You, you coach, talk about the people who you coach. So, I mean, in the groups, and these are all people that have recorded podcasts on their experience, so, okay. so they're, they're good with being named. But we had one of the co-founders of Google X Europe. It's called, wow. it's called Alpha. We had one of the co-founders of WeWork. We had the founder of Bar3. We had the CEO of Grameen. We had, oh my gosh, like the founder of Future You and the founder of Food Frontier, one of the pri- the, the f- foremost um, think tanks on the future of food and energy and climate change. We had one of the producers from the Years Project in association with Steven Spielberg and Leonardo DiCaprio. And we had, I mean, I, I could keep going. I mean, there's 35 yeah, yeah, yeah. people of that caliber.
1: And you also created a rule for these folks, which mm-hmm. feels counterintuitive in, in light of what we knew about our past world, where these people are very busy people. They've got a lot of important stuff going mm-hmm. on.
0: This might be low on their priority list. Can you talk about the rule that you yes. made for yes We had five program agreements that each person had to uh, commit to in advance of the program. And it was, the first one is that you agree to be on time. And there was a four minute grace period in which it was a silent period, but there was four minutes that you had to arrive before the session would begin. If you weren't there by that four minutes, then the session is locked and you can't get in. The second agreement is you commit to be present to all sessions. If you miss a session, then you're not invited back for the rest of the program. So that means if you're five minutes late to a session and you get locked out, you're not invited back. The third agreement was confidentiality, um, something called the Chatham House Rule, which is because of the high level People like there, there were several highly visible people, like people who you would deem famous. That people, you know, their faces yeah. are known. That have very few forms where they can like really show up in confidence. That they can be their full selves, and being your full self usually means being a little bit more messy. Yeah. So the Chatham House Rule was: you can discuss what was talked about philosophically, but you can't share who said what. Mm. The fourth agreement was to show up fully and really commit to participating because i knew that if everyone fully participated that the content would morph and move with the group and the fifth was that you would give you would recirculate a certain amount of money that felt significant and right to uh, an organization or initiative that really needed it the first group i asked to do something related to covid and the second group i asked to invest in something related to anti racism
1: amazing how did you see these agreements affect the overall outcome
0: of the content it was absolutely vital it was a huge risk you know like I I almost took out that one agreement of if you miss a session you can't come back so many times because I like my worst case scenario is what if people are five or ten minutes late or what if they have something come up and then we start this thing with 18 people and we come (laughs) sputtering into the end with seven (laughs) like that's not going to feel good for anyone you know Uh, so it was a big risk but what happened with the first round, we had 18 people begin and 18 people end. And these wow. are incredible, busy, incredibly busy people across 17 time zones. So we had one person getting up at 5 a.m. For the, for the session in Perth. And we had people in Europe staying up until the 11 p.m. to even start the session. So it didn't even end wow. until 1 a.m. And, and I think that the, it was so important to have those agreements because it really uh, created this voluntary commitment that people took ownership of. And it wasn't just a commitment to me. It, it became a commitment to each other. They don't yeah. want to let each other down.
1: Yeah, Watching people make that kind of commitment to the group and to each other. What does that say to you about the world, our culture,
0: our, about people in general? Yeah. It, it says to me that we don't have to try and control people to get a certain result or to help them step into what's next for them. We just give an invitation and then require a commitment that calls them forward. It, you know, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting line between yeah. those two. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think to me too, I'm reminded that, you know, uh, writers will say to me all the time, I'm thinking of this phrase, they say to me where they'll say, I'm just not that disciplined. And I'm like, I always have just instinctively said, there's no such thing as not being that disciplined either you haven't found the right motivation or you haven't found the thing that you want to write about or it's the wrong time to be writing about it or you haven't found a system or a routine that works for you but there's just no such thing as someone who's incapable right. of finding the time or the space you know and and I think this is evidence of that it's like when you feel the possibility the weight the responsibility when you sense what's possible you commit to something we just all do it's human instinct to do that. Yes. And I think this is evidence of that. Yes.
0: And and that things are in just the knowledge that you can do anything. You yeah. can, you can if things are prioritized that are chosen. And yep. so just like really aligning with what is being chosen and why.
1: Yeah. I would love to hear you talk about some of the key concepts of the curriculum itself mm-hmm. as they evolved.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. So so there's two different roads we could take here. I could talk about the curriculum itself. Or I could talk about like the meta experience of how the curriculum played out. second one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. This, this I think is still something that I'm wrapping my mind around the perfection and synchronicity of how this continued to unfold and surprise me at every turn. I think that there's a whole, there's a whole universe within Alchemy of Chaos that requires that it that you commit yourself fully to being with the mystery of it and therefore Mm -hmm. the mystery of ourselves and the mystery of life so okay so i'm going to tell one little story about this about the way that this curriculum played out that continues to surprise me and and so in the book and the Alchemy of Chaos book, like I'm treating this the same way that it's almost just like this Love <laughs> continual. It. So, okay. So I ran the Alchemy of Chaos program the first time and it was this experience where everyone knew that I was creating this real time. Yes. And I was always like pulling back the curtain In the midst of me being in chaos and in the midst of me not knowing which way to go, in the midst of me making a choice and then realizing it wasn't the right one. And so when I started, when I geared up for round two, in my mind, I was like, great, this is going to be a breeze because (laughs) everything's already created, all the content is done. I just get to show up and like talk about what has already happened. Yeah. And I remember session one, it it, instead of creating and speaking just with such aliveness, the way that I did in the first round, why did it, why was I able to speak with aliveness? Because it had literally just been created. And of course it was like, I was fully embodied in what was happening. So it was just like, I could talk to you right now and describe the wood grain of this table. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then if, and then, Fast forward 10 weeks.
1: (laughs) You're trying to describe something you remembered from before. Yes. But it's not
0: even necessarily relevant to the now. Exactly. Exactly. And it felt like studying for a test. Like I got test anxiety preparing for for the chaos session wow. session 1 and i remember feeling like really jerky and weird and i kept losing my train of thought and i kept like having to check my notes and i was really off balance the mm-hmm. whole time it was very uncomfortable and what i realized in no uncertain terms i was completely defying the whole point of alchemy of chaos which yeah. is to show up and commit to not knowing yes and i was I was trying to know yeah, based on 10 weeks ago, which in the, our world right now is forever ago. Like it is. 10 weeks ago, that's completely irrelevant. Yes. <laughs> the world is so different. 10 weeks. It's ago. on fast forward. Yes, yeah. it is. And so in that moment, I was like, oh, I get it now. This is not something that's just created. And now I am like the proctor of Alchemy yeah. of Chaos Almighty. You know what I mean? Like, yeah as long as I am in relationship with this curriculum, I have to continually be prepared to, to scrap it over and over again and to have all bets off and to just continually return to the drawing board and ask myself what is most relevant, most present, most alive right now, not only for me, but for this world that we're living in, like there's so much fodder for how we can respond and react. And, um, be in relationship with what's going on but first we have to be in relationship with it directly and not from another lens that it's like layered on because that separates us the the amount of lenses that we put between us and what's what's going on in reality even though we do that with our best intentions because we're trying to create certainty around it the more lenses we have that we're looking through the more separate we are. The less in touch we are, like the less ability we have to interact with it and therefore Mm -hmm. to shift it and therefore to work with it.
1: It's so beautiful. Two things are coming up for me. Number one is I mentioned at the beginning of the episode how much I've learned from hearing from you about this idea of alchemy of chaos. And so that's the first thing I want to say is that really what it's taught me being involved in this content with you is that when something like COVID happens, which is, you know, for all of us, we experience it a little bit differently, but it's like a, a global unrest for everybody because everything's changing very quickly. We can either think, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. We can panic. We can sort of let our lives all fall apart. We can just say, forget it. Who cares anyway? I'm just going to watch Netflix, which I did a lot of during <laughs> during <Same. laughs> the, man, the <laughs> pandemic. But we can either let that be the overarching attitude or we can go, wow, there's no Guidebook, there's no rule book, there's no one to tell me how I'm supposed to navigate this. It, and it can teach us to become so present to what's really happening that now suddenly we have actually a lot of vitality and agency over our own lives and over our own existence. And I've seen that happen in my household where my husband's literally leaving a career and starting a whole new career at 40 years old. And then also in my own business where I was like, we had this whole way of doing things that was working really well for us. And then we had to shift and do things a totally different way that actually ended up being better for us and for our clients. So it's that same feeling I was talking about before where it's like equal parts terrifying. And also there's like all this possibility and opportunity if we're willing to step into it and look at it that way. So that's how I've been internalizing the message as you've been sharing it with me. And then Second thing that's coming up for me right now, which I haven't put together before, is you're also talking about the writing process. There's just no way to write anything that matters without being absolutely present to reality. And you're talking about like the filters between us and reality. As long as those filters are there, as long as the reality you experience is Instagram, there's no way for you to write anything that will have a lasting impact until you, until you remove those filters and you experience life as it is which isn't always Instagram filters, nothing no. wrong with Instagram filters, but until you experience life that way, you really do have nothing to share. Right. That's worth sharing. Yes.
0: Yes. And I think a full commitment to experiencing life as it is, is chaos. It is, it is yes. chaos. We try to create buckets of certainty mm. to categorize the chaos of our life. And it's, it's, it removes us. From our life. And and I think this is a good time to point out that chaos in the definition that I choose to have, which is an actual definition. Our modern definition of chaos is disorder and confusion. Mm. And we mostly if like I think if you pulled 100 people, 98% of them would categorize chaos as a bad thing. Sure. An unwanted thing. However, when I was when I first got this idea I looked up a definition of chaos or I was like reading all about chaos because you know, etymology and I was yeah, reading yeah, all yeah. about alchemy. I was reading and what I found was one of the, one of the original definitions of chaos was the nonlinear void from which all possibility arises. Oh. Mm-hmm. Isn't <laughs> that mind blowing right now? Yes, <gasps> it is mind blowing.
1: Well, you think about even like my brain goes here because of how I was raised, but the scriptures, like the Genesis one, It's like out of chaos, everything was born. Exactly, the entire universe was born.
0: Yes, exactly, and that's how it always works. But we have forgotten that, and I think that this year in particular—I mean, I think all all life and all moments are here to to remind us of that. But I think that what we are being faced with right now is, in no uncertain terms, more than an invitation to remember Mm -hmm. that it is. It is an imperative to remember that because I think that to continue to categorize chaos as disorder and confusion and something that we don't want as the the barometer of chaos continues to increase as we march forward as this human yes. race trying to figure out what the hell we're doing. You know, like you'll just be, you'll sink into paralysis, you'll drown, you'll drown mm-hmm. in it when chaos is something that can give birth to a new yeah. paradigm and a new self. And I loved what you're saying about that we are being asked to, to not, like there is no playbook, there's no guidebook there's no one really to look to because we're all collectively experiencing the same thing on a level that is truly unprecedented. <laughs> the whole thing is that we are that, that what you were talking about is that we are being called forward to claim leadership within ourselves. Yes. And that can feel chaotic because it's inviting a new iteration of ourselves to be born. And birth is not easy. No. As I, you know, I know birth. I, yeah. is <laughs> And, it is, it is, a, for, it's a, it's, there's no words really no, for yes. what birth is because it's everything. It is yeah. not for the faint of heart. And we are being called to birth ourselves and birth yeah. a new reality and to birth a new paradigm. And part of that is being with the chaos through the lens of possibility yes. instead of through the lens of this is insane and I can't wait until all the chaos goes away. Like newsflash, chaos will not go away. Totally. It's how we choose to be in relationship with it that matters now.
1: And the other thing that I'm thinking as you're talking is if we resist the chaos that's in the world, inevitably, we become irrelevant because, because this chaos just will be the way that we're existing. And so if we try to pretend like it's not, and we try to keep our life in these little tiny boxes and keep everything contained, then we just don't have a place of, we won't have a place of leadership in the world. Completely. And we're watching that happen with like you know, the power structures that used to exist where certain people used to be in power and other people didn't have a voice, like those are going away. So you can either get on that ship or get off the ship, however you want to do it. But if you, if you aren't on board, you're going to get left behind. Yes. Okay. Can you talk about, I'm imagining people listening are going, okay, I know that there's chaos in the world, you know, like we're watching election news and rallies and riots and all the things that we're seeing happen in the news. But What does chaos look like? I'm just wanting to put some flesh around this for people who are listening so that they can start to identify the areas of their life where there is chaos and therefore there's opportunity.
0: Yeah, ooh, that's a really great question. Okay, I think that it's really true that chaos can be found in any life should you choose to look. Even in the most outwardly appearing stable life, Mm -hmm. there is always an opportunity to invite the chaos of going deeper in the inward journey into yeah. oneself <laughs> yes, yes, yes. as a, uh, as a writer friend of mine says, there's no center to the human soul. It's like oh. peeling an onion deeper and deeper. Yes. And so going into any forum, whether it's the one in the inside of your soul or in any relationship in your, in your world, whether that's a parenting relationship or a platonic relationship or romantic relationship, professional relationship, inevitably, if you are, are someone who's committed to, to, uh, allowing something to flourish beyond what my ideas for it are, it will feel chaotic because you cannot know. Yes. And for a lot of people, the not knowing about anything feels chaotic. So I guess my point is there is chaos. There is a chaos invitation for yourself to, to, you know, as the old adage goes, know thyself. That is, yes. that is a chaotic journey in and of itself that you have unlimited access to perpetually forever and ever and until the day that you die. <laughs> I don't care how, how old you are, how many experiences you've had. The second um, realm that I would say that chaos appears is relational. Yeah. You have the individual, you have the relational realm, any kind of relationship, relationship to situations, relationship to people, relationship to organizations that we're running or operating in. Then there's the chaos in the, in the societal sphere, the socioeconomic sphere you can most certainly find and point to infinite <laughs> cases of chaos if you choose to look. And and I think choosing to look is the key to all yeah. of these spheres. Choosing to be in relationship, choosing to look, choosing to see what's there so that you can not be in denial of reality because to be in denial of reality is to be in denial of life itself. Yeah. And that's not what we're here to do, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Let's talk about the process of putting this idea, because this is a massive idea.
0: Oh, it's so huge. It's so overwhelming sometimes. Yes. And I'm like, okay, "Okay, it's supposed to be overwhelming. It's alchemy of chaos. Okay, it's okay. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's supposed to feel chaotic, right? It is. (laughs) Exactly. If it doesn't feel chaotic, I'm doing something wrong. So at least I have that to rest on.
1: Yes. (laughs) But you've taken this idea, and and you're in the process of putting it into a book. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, too, because my whole job is to make this feel a little less chaotic. Mm -hmm. It's like... The process of creativity is very chaotic. So, can I put some boundaries around it so that you at least feel safe enough to, like, you know, complete the project? But what has that process been like for you? Uh, it has
0: felt like a gauntlet in the best way. I mean, terrifying because it does feel like I'm crossing this threshold that all of this pressure has mounted. That, you know, people have been telling me to write a book since I was 21. And it's like, okay, the moment has come. And yeah, here like we my, are. <laughs> exactly, here we are. Um, so, so my perfectionism brain and my overanalysis brain and my optics brain yeah. really comes online. And so I have to work really hard to get that back offline to be able to create. But I guess so far of what it's looked like is just the process with you was so helpful because... What you were able to do is help me identify what all these paradigm shifts are and to put them in an order and to give me permission to attach certain stories to open up these concepts so that it doesn't just live in philosophical land that no one can grasp. You know, something that I really appreciate you saying is like you can have all the amazing ideas in the world, but if you don't have a method to help people understand how it applies and what it is like that, it's not going (laughs) to.
1: It'll be lost. It'll be lost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you might as well, you know. So the, the process, the way that I was able to begin the process is I was at this writing retreat that you're a mentor for yes. Good Lit, And one of the writing coaches, I kind of like went up and it was this moment and I was like, okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you know,
0: we had had our first class. It was the first day. And he was like, okay, now go write. Like you have two hours to go write. Yeah. And I waited in line to talk to him afterwards. And I went up and I said, okay, I'm going to write the first word of the first sentence of the first chapter <laughs> yeah. of my first, first book you know <laughs> like was making this proclamation and like m- making yeah. it out to be this huge deal and he was like okay write a scene yeah. and i was like uh no no i'm writing a book on business yeah <laughs> a new paradigm of leadership no no i think you misunderstand <laughs> yeah. and he was like i know what you're writing about write a scene <laughs> i, I like, love it wait are we speaking English together because I feel like something's not translating. And he goes, listen, you're talking about things and people need to understand what you're talking about in order for them to trust you long enough to even begin to understand what you're talking about. They have to trust you in order to trust you. They have to feel like they know who you are in order for them to know who you are. You need to write a scene. I love it. (laughs) I was like, okay. And he goes, so for instance, like how did, how did this even come to be? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, it was this Saturday morning. And he goes, say no more. Go write that scene. Go write that scene. Go write that scene. Good advice. And that's what I did. And I sat down and I wrote 3,000 words in two hours. And I wrote a scene that set the stage for what it felt like when Alchemy of Chaos struck me like lightning. And what's so interesting about alchemy of chaos is because there's all of these meta layers at any given time of how alchemy of chaos is present in everything that I do while simultaneously bringing this forth. Like I have to be not only committed to allowing that to happen, but aware of how and when it is happening so that I can then articulate that so that I can apply it to the philosophy of it and show what it looks like. Yeah. and the easiest way for me to do that is to talk about how it's manifesting in my own life and so even on that first day and Allie Trowbridge actually helped point this out to me she was like tell me about that day again because I got stuck she yeah. goes, "Tell me about that day again and I started to say and she was like okay so chaos so you woke up and you had this chaotic feeling chaos yeah and I was like yeah and then she was like and then you walked upstairs your office and then what and I told her and she was like and that's alchemy and she was like and yes. then what happened and I was like oh, and then space and yeah. then I ha- and then she was like, and then what? And I was like, and then I had to cross the threshold. And that was transition. She was like, yes. And then what happened? And I was like, and then I had to integrate which is week yeah, five, which then- is integration. And then she was like, and then you did the video. And I was like, yes, I created the video in week six is creation. And then she was like, and then you had to send the video out in order to tell people about the program. And that's emergence, which is week seven.
1: Wow. And then.
0: Everything came back in the world and that, and it was like activated and activation as we gate. So even in the course of a, of a day, the alchemy of chaos process is viscerally present, you know, and it can be yes. layered out in the terms of the program, in the terms of writing the book, in the terms of it, when I do my one-on-one coaching, my six-month programs, Yeah, there's an alchemy of chaos process that underpins that entire thing. There's the Alchemy of chaos process that is necessary to yeah. write a book, not just this yeah. book, but I think any book, you know. And it just keeps totally. going, and then it's like, oh, oh, also society, oh, also the trajectory of history, <laughs> oh, also the trajectory of evolution itself <laughs> oh, and humankind, sure. oh, and also the multiverses. <laughs> <laughs> you <know? laughs> it just keeps going.
1: <laughs> and then the podcast went for three hours. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,
0: oh, I want to. <laughs> all those trains, oh, all the trails. Oh, I love gosh. following trails with you. That me you are too. the most incredible metaphorical trail walker, guider, oh. facilitator.
1: Thank you, Christine. You You're gonna make me cry.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm just so grateful for your work in the world because of all of these things, like helping people get their stories out there and helping people understand that, like it's it's a step. Like you you yes. just keep taking steps and look, it's a map and just follow yeah. the map and also make your own map. And it's the first time it's ever felt palatable to me mm-hmm. is after working with you. And uh, I'm just, I'm so grateful for you.
1: I feel the same about you. <laughs> I feel like we're doing very similar work just in different capacities. Yes. And I've said that to you before. <laughs> anyway, the work you're doing in the world is so important. And Thank this you. particular idea and the coursework around it and the book around it is is going to change his, the course of history forever. So <sighs> so many people out there who have the goods to be a leader, like count themselves out because they feel like they don't have it all figured out, are going to get this book. They're going to see the potentiality that has existed in them all along. They're going to become leaders in their own industries, in their in their own communities, in the world at large. And we need as many of those kinds of leaders as we can find. Absolutely.
0: So. And that, that, I love that you bring that up as, as we're starting to close because that was one of those surprises of alchemy of chaos that it was like this nonlinear kind of like chaos, this nonlinear process where I quote unquote new things. I did things like create the tagline for alchemy of chaos that very first day claiming leadership in unprecedented times. (gasps) That was the tagline. But in my mind, I was thinking, oh, claiming leadership, like claiming your company leadership and claiming leadership in society and doing the work to like go claim your positions of leadership. Yeah. So you can like have impact and influence. But what I, what was revealed to me in the process, what alchemy of chaos revealed to me is that you can't claim leadership out there before you claim leadership within yourself, mm. and so that is also a very vital um, part of Alchemy of Chaos. Is it's claiming leadership, yes, in unprecedented times within your own self, which everyone can do, no matter where you are, no matter what position you're in.
1: It's the work of all of our lives. Exactly. Like, not only can we do it, but it is it is the thing we are called to do, regardless yes. of what else we do. It's the first. Thing we have to do is decide that I have I'm the only one who can be in leadership over my own life yes Yeah.
0: yes and the process of doing that is alchemizing the chaos of who we must become oh. in order to walk that path
1: so good Christine thank you thank you thank You're you so times welcome. a million for
0: Ooh, it's
1: been so much fun so much fun <laughs> it's the best we'll have you back again when the book okay. is out and we yes. talk about yes. more things more things yeah. I love it I can't wait <laughs> thank you again thank you Allie Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing.